thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your hosts, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Okay, I think we are ready for this. And three, two, one, welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. I'm Eduardo. And uh, here we go, man. The continuation of the capture of the doe or the hind part two. Um, and the more in-depth conversation of cancer that we said we would be talking about when we broke down the labor um, last week. And so a lot of questions have come up. From many individuals, you guys have d done a really good job at just messaging us, whether it be our website or DMs about what would part two be and when will, will part two um, come along. And so I've been trying to be very patient, try not to overwhelm Daniel with questions. There's so much as far as what we're going to talk about with cancer, but also things that I, I didn't really understand that I really want to have this conversation with you about, my friend, with the qualities of the sign and what Alice Bailey talked about in in regards to cancer and the story itself. And I know we already did a really good job at sort of incorporating the labor into the sign and the energies that are all involved, and especially that, you know, um, trifecta that we mentioned with intellect and intuition and instinct. So... Um, I don't want to reiterate a bunch of things. I don't want to go into it where we go back. You know, if you want to listen to the first episode, highly recommend that because then this will all make sense because this will be, again, a more in-depth conversation about cancer. So let's go ahead and get started, my friend. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. And just like the last three signs that we kind of worked through, the second episode is really kind of concentrating on like the micro aspect of cancer, where what we were looking at with the first part was more of the macro, the bigger, you know, overarching theme of that sign. And really the idea of, you know, instinct, intellect, and intuition, and how they build on top of each other, and how all three of them have importance, but there is a hierarchical, like, you know, there's a ruler there, and that's going to be the intuition. And that's, that's what we're going to really kind of try to explore today. And we're going to kind of look at you know, not only this water sign, but cardinal water. We're going to look at, you know, the emotions. We're going to look at the intuition. We're going to look at empathy. And we're going to look at nurturing. And we're going to look at all these components that are so important for us to understand within ourselves and what they play in the unfoldment of the self. Cool. So you know, so we're kind of continuing that, that journey. Awesome, man. Well, you know, I, uh, again, reading a lot of information that I tried to then like reject because <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm going to go down this path and then I read about it and then I understand it. Then it's like, hmm, that's just sort of the surface of the idea of what cancer might um, represent. But one thing that I wanted to kind of start off with is the opposite sign to cancer being Capricorn and why in this, you know, conversation uh, that we had the first time, why this um, is important to have this understanding. Do you want to start there or do you want me to like go in a different direction? Yeah, no. And you know, I think a good way to kind of touch on this, and again, we will, 
we were really approach this 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 kind of this polar aspect of the zodiac and a lot of further conversations um it's actually really going to kind of come up when we talk about gnosticism and some you know deeper understanding of what this experience is in this realm but in the most like simple infomercial you know coming at you fast simple way to look at it Cancer represents the mother and Capricorn represents the father. And so this is going to be the two energies that really kind of are brought in to the nurturing of anything, you know, where Capricorn is really going to teach us, you know, strength through discipline. We're really going to kind of touch the idea of strength through love through cancer and the understanding of this is the first dance we have with love. And our first dance we have with love is with the mother. You know, whatever that role of the mother was for us, whether we actually, you know, had a physical mother or what kind of came in to nurture that role for us and kind of take that position. Mm. And, you know, we're going to kind of really talk about the importance of that. And also, if we did not have that role present for us, how it doesn't mean that it's absent from us. And we can look at other aspects and other places to, to see where this nurturing mother energy is coming from. Perfect. Yeah. I know that we talked about the womb and we talked about, you know, the home that's within, you know, and how we sort of have to go inside and really kind of, you know, work from the inside out with, with the sign of cancer and how it represents this crab. Mm -hmm. And so before I get too, too far ahead with, you know, the, uh, and thank you so much for that, like infomercial breakdown there of the, uh, the opposite sign. I think that that's kind of more or less what I needed to hear for now, which is cancer being the mother and Capricorn being the father and how the two, as Alice Bailey puts it, constitutes the gate into form of life. And I think that's pretty um, spot on what you're saying. Um, and um, yeah. Hey, oh, and we'll get very tinfoily hat with this idea of this play between like Saturn and the moon um, because there's a very deep, deep, discussion that needs to also happen there. Um, and we'll unfold that over time. Um, but just like everything, it's kind of step by step. Cool, and we're going to kind of, you know, start here um, and kind of make that. But it, it is a very, very deep, deep lesson that I think all of us as students of this spiritual path need to at least reflect on. And we'll, we'll make our way there. Um, but, um, but yeah, for the time being, we'll just kind of approach this, this moon energy and this nurturing, loving compassion that, right. that is kind of represented as an astrological signature of the moon. Perfect. Right. You know, we, we haven't even touched on the whole idea of the animal, you know, mm -hmm. of, of the representation of the crab and the lobster or the way it works with the moon. So let's start there. Okay. And then, like, I just want to open that first up. It's like, why is it that there's the shell, the home that you carry on your back mm -hmm. and you move from place to place with that home on you or within you? So you want to go there? Yeah, let's do it. You know, and again, you know, with cancer, the exoteric ruler of cancer is going to be the moon. And as we're going through this conversation, we're really kind of explore the esoteric ruler of Cancer, which is going to be Neptune, which is really just the, the higher octave of the moon. And we're really going to kind of move away from this, this idea of like personal love to that unconditional universal love, which is what we're, why we're dancing with water in the first place. And so obviously, you know, with the crab with water, this, the crab is going to represent 
cardinal water for us. And so this is, this is our first experience of the emotions. And we spoke about it as that intimate relationship that we had with the mother. And just thinking about, you know, where the crab spends half of its time is in the water. And the water truly was our first home which is the womb. And that's the, that's the big thing we want to kind of look at is that, that gestation period of those nine months when we were at one with our mother and we were in that perfect temperatured water, like we spoke about. You know, we had no, we had no desires because before we could even feel hunger, the food was already coming through the umbilical cord. So we truly were kind of submerged in this oneness. And and that's going to be a big part of the story of cancer and the transfer out of that oneness into this five sense reality, which can be very harsh for cancer. You know, cancer, we talk about it, you know, and again, everybody has cancer in their zodiac chart. So, you know, of course, individuals with cancer rising or their moon or their sun might reflect a little bit more personally with this, but this aspect of cancer is going to be found in your chart somewhere. Mm. And what it does is cancer connects us back to that womb-like state and that oneness that we felt and the idea that we kind of got whirled and pulled out of that and we were pulled into the world. You know, we were whirled into the world, right? That's not a coincidence that those those words phonetically sound the same because it truly is that process, getting pulled from that oneness and coming into this five sense reality, which is which is a little harsh. You know, we live in this five sense reality that stuff needs to be sacrificed. You know, we spoke about it, you know, we need to eat flesh to survive, whether we're eating animals, fruits, or vegetables. You know, there because of the law of thermodynamics, you know, stuff needs to be sacrificed for life to go on. And we do have this process of life and death. And it's it's a very tough experience for the cancer to approach because the cancer intuitively never truly forgets what the womb was like. And this is actually why cancers can be so empathetic because not only do they know that they kind of deep down inside were pulled out of this womb into this five sense reality jungle, this kind of school of hard knocks that we find ourselves in this universe university. But they also know that everybody else got pulled out of that oneness. And so there's a softness for others. And there's this deep feeling of empathy. And also there's like this deep intuitive feeling where they actually can like feel the emotions of others. And so that's why it's so important for the cancer to learn proper nourishment and really learn this maternal energy of how it can still sustain that energy that it felt in the womb and how it can actually share that with others to ensure the healthy growth of of consciousness right, right. and and so um you know it's a it's a really unique sign because cardinal water is you know it's this it's the second time we've met this quality of cardinal, right? The first cardinal we met was cardinal fire, which was Aries, which was just the birth of consciousness, right? It was the coming online in this reality. And what cardinal water is going to be is it's truly the water of life. And it does, it represents the mother, it represents the womb, and it represents the idea of, you know, again, that first dance with motherly love, which very much could be unconditional and, you know, very trans transforming for us and how important it is to, to get that love as a child. And, you know, again, we're going to kind of talk about 
how we kind of connect to that if we if we don't feel that. But this this cardinal aspect of nurturing, compassion, maternal, like you said, the home, um, and even the sacrifice that the mother makes. You know, not only does the mother carry the baby in the womb for nine months, but its job isn't over with birth. If anything, the job just begins, mm. you know? And I'm not saying that birth isn't a, a job in itself, because I think that's the ultimate um, process to kind of go through, but it's not over. It's not just like, cause the baby's born, mm-hmm. you know, you can just let it be. And especially as humans with our, you know, we don't really show up into the scene with all the tools. Like you see a horse, like a horse comes out and it's like, it's like ready to trot within a day or two, you know, it's like already kind of running around the field where humans are very much just like a ball of jello for the first six months, you know, and we're just like, bah, 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 I'm a baby. Right. And so like, that's what we're kind of seeing. And so it truly does need to be nurtured, yeah. you know? And then one of the things that cancer realizes too, is it's just like, Hey, like, you know, although my vehicle is equipped with my soul, it's not super equipped for this environment I find myself in. You know, thinking about the skin of the humans and how thin it is, you know, just thinking of the fragileness of humans is going to be why we kind of have to find this shell of protection and how we kind of have to find this own security. And although we kind of learned about physical security through Taurus and form, we're really going to learn about emotional security because what we're going to find with cancer is physical pain hurts, but emotional pain really hurts. And it's a different kind of thing. You know, physical pain, we could put like an ice pack on it. Emotional pain is is not so much something we can treat, but we can almost hide from ourselves. And we almost have to bury emotional pain. And that's going to be another thing that we're going to kind of look at of just the uniqueness. When you think about pain, physical pain and emotional pain, they're, they're really almost two different experiences that you're having. And one, you can, you know, put, you know, you know, ointments, get medicine from. But emotional pain is, it's not so much a healing that you do, it's more of a numbing that you Mm. do. And just how destructive and how almost of a cause emotional pain can be for, you know, other physical pain that we either put ourselves through or put others through. And so, with this first dance of water with cancer, we have the birth, you know, and then the next time when we kind of dance with water, it'll be with Scorpio which is death. And then the final dance will be Pisces, which is that in between life and death and really kind of like the spirit world and that doorway into this reality and also the doorway out of this reality. And so this truly is just kind of our first, um, you know, kind of connection with this. And we kind of spoke about this and esoteric Christianity. This was actually the birth of Jesus, you know, and this represents also the summer solstice, which is the longest day of the year, you know? So it's, it's very much this beacon of light that kind of comes in because it's through emotions, it's through compassion and it's through love that we really are starting to see the true reasons why we are here. And that's something that kind of comes up. This cardinal really gives us a new experience and a new field of awareness with the birth of the emotions. You know, it's not just the intellect and the five senses that was created with Gemini. It's not just the realization of the physical body with Taurus. And it's not just the birth of the fire of consciousness with Aries. Now we're on a whole new playing field. And that's why cancer gets the phrase of I feel and cancers feel deeply for sure um you know and it's and it's going to be this really kind of unique thing that um we're going to kind of experience and you know when we 
let's jump into the crab, but let's also kind of think about, you know, what cancer represents in the body. And cancer is really going to represent the breast, and it's also going to represent the ribs. And so this need for protection, um, you know, because the ribs protect the vital organs, it protects the heart. And, you know, this is also why the rib of Adam was used to create Eve, um, because there's this, this aspect of birth that comes from this, and there's a unique kind of emotional thing. And it's, it's very much the idea that not only do we have to learn our emotions, but we also have to protect ourselves and create emotional security. And that's really what cancer is going to kind of come. And that's one of the big rules and lessons that we hope to learn from our mother or from this zodiac sign of emotional security, knowing just how damaging it can be when we do not feel emotionally secure. Right. Well, I mean, you know, going back to you explaining the the cardinal way, I mean, and back to what I said before, and I think, again, I, I did, it's my fault, but I did jump a little bit ahead when talking about Capricorn, but it is Capricorn and Cancer that both have that cardinal quality. And is that why they're, in, they're opposed from one another and they have that sort of conflicting emotional feeling, right? That they both create um, yeah, yeah, within the cancer. Absolutely. And, you know, with, because Capricorn is earth, it's not going to be as based on the emotions. It's the water aspect that's going to give us that, that emotional quality here. Cardinal is really just going to be the beginning of a new cycle. It's like a new era, right? I mean, I know, I know that, that that goes within the cancer as far as the new, the first day of summer. And, you know, we do just mentioned that. But, right, right. But that's part of what makes it what it is as far as its sign is with the water. It's all about new life, new beginning. Right. And, then, and wanting to take on a new... Um, a new start, right? A new absolutely. fresh start. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. You can think of the cardinals as the beginning of the seasons. So cardinal, you know, cardinal water is the beginning of summer. And then cardinal earth is going to be, you know, the beginning of winter. Right. And it's going to be that transition. And so it's really that that birth of the new season. And that's what the cardinal is going to kind of represent. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because um, I know that, we did we talk about it with Libra? Well, that's going to be cardinal air. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Um, so, yep. Cancer and and Capricorn. Yeah. And that will make up the cardinal cross. Right. Um, And, you know, that's going to be in its own. It's going to be a whole study that we'll kind of look at, you know, because all of those, all of these elements, you know, they're connected by their elements and then they're also correct, connected by their quality. And there's three different qualities within the Zodiac and there's four different elements. See, okay. I I just want to say for those who are listening right now. This is why I'm sounding so hesitant to even go even deeper because this is where I've kind of done a terrible job, in my opinion, of mixing so much of this into one. That I'm like, oh, this is the episode I'm going to like ask you all this, but we'll let it unfold over time. I, but now you know where the disposition I was in, that where where I'm coming from. I'm like, oh, Absolutely. why is this all? These are all connected in that cardinal cross. But what does that really mean for the yeah. sign and how does this really affect everything? And so that's why I was kind of like when we before we hit record, I was like, hey, can we jump into this? But this is what I was alluding to. Where I'm like, what? Yeah. Why does this, you know, but now it kind of makes more sense. And we'll wait for later down the road to unfold that. But for those listening, that's where my confusion was coming from, which you're just doing a great job at clearing up for me. Perfect. No, man. And, and we talked about that. We should really do a whole episode on these three qualities, the cardinal, the fixed, and the mutable. Mm-hmm. Because it's 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 so important to right. see it even in life, you know? And what we're seeing here is, you know, the zodiac should be understood in its completeness. 
And so just like, you know, just like when we're dealing with numbers, it, it breaks down into a trinity, which is the qualities, and it also breaks down into the, the fours, which is the elements, you know? And so you keep kind of doing that. And then it also breaks down to six with masculine and feminine. And so this is the second feminine sign that we met. The first feminine sign we met was Taurus, right? And so we, we really are kind of making our way through. Um, so everything can kind of be broken up. But then it all can all be brought back as a whole. And right. that's remember, that's what we're really looking at is the is the completeness of this and how this works completely within ourselves. And so this is also why it's so important if you're like, well, I don't need to listen to this episode because I don't have any planets in cancer. Well, actually, you really need to listen to this episode because you need to utilize your free will decisions to really unfold what these aspects are so you can see this infinite energy that's within you and make sure it's truly blossoming and shining through. You know, and so we really do. It's, you know, when we first kind of get into astrology, we're so focused on our own signs, but it's really the signs that you don't have as much energy in. You know, like I, I truly, really have to study fire. There's not a lot of fire in my chart. So I have to study fire and I have to use free will decisions to learn how to hold that fire and be comfortable holding that fire. Mm. You know, not just being an earth sign who's just like, I'm just going to chill all day and just like hang out. You know, I need to take that. I need to take more Aries energy. I need to find that Leo inside me and I need to ultimately connect it with Sagittarius at the end. And so this is this is perfect, man. This is a great conversation that you're kind of like bringing up here because I think, I mean, if, you know, if one person has a question on it, that means there's so many other people do, but yeah. let's do that. Let's do a whole episode on the qualities. Cool. Is that cool? No, that's awesome. I mean, again, for those listening to this, um, this breakdown of, of the fourth labor, there is so much behind it. And, and I know that there's the exoteric and the esoteric of everything we represent here on the podcast, but it does become a little bit, you know, difficult to sort of catch up to something so big as this entire, you know, whole of what the zodiacs represent and how they're represented and what really goes into them and what's being affected by each one of them um, based on where they are and what they represent in um, this vast universe. And so it's kind of like, okay, how do we hone in on this without having to go over the top? And that's really just a problem I have. That's how I am when it comes to learning. I always want to like, learn the whole manual in a day, even though that's impossible. I mean, or it could be possible, but it's not beneficial and everything will come together as it should. If you just take the right steps and don't like skip through pages. And so I'm not saying I've done that, but there are times where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there. And so anyways, that was just my way of, of telling the listeners, like, sorry, if I like ask too many questions at you that are they're obviously relative to this topic, but they're not relative to what we're unfolding today. And so it kind of becomes this dance with me going like, do I ask this part or do I ask this part? And I know I can't ask you anything, which is what's so great about you is I don't feel intimidated to ask. But if I do, that's why. Now we know why. You know, it's, it's, like it's all relative, so my much, brother. You know? you know, it's all yeah. relative. So no, I think that's I think that's fantastic. And so, you know, even just thinking about that element water and remember water is is our first mirror you know water was humanity's first mirror it's where we reflect and the need to reflect on our emotions and to understand how this energy works within us because you know this can connect us to unconditional love and this can also put up such a barrier to unconditional love and so you know we we started talking about the womb and the empathy and the, the deep feelings and again the key word for cancer is i feel and so 
one of the things that we kind of want to approach with cancer is let's think about the crab, you know, because wherever cancer is in your chart, you might be a little sensitive there. Um, because the thing about cancer in the crab is the crab has this hard shell. So from external people looking in on you, they don't know how sensitive you actually are because they're perceiving a hard shell. But the thing is, it's just like a crab. You give that a nice little crack and it's just exposed flesh and you feel so much. You know, it's like a, it's like if you lose a tooth and the root is exposed, it's so sensitive. And cancers very much are sensitive, but there's something so great about that because you can empathetically connect to people. Mm. You can, you know, you can feel what others feel and you can deeply feel about life and we want to feel life. You know, we don't want to become numb. And so one of the things we really want to kind of think about this with like our astrological correspondence or signature is just, you know, thinking about how the crab works and how important it is for the cancer to go into the water and to experience the emotions the crab doesn't just live in the water. It also goes onto the land. And that's where we ground, organize, and get a more of a footing to understand our emotional experience. Mm. But this is so important because what happens with the cancer is if we live too much in the water as a crab, what's going to happen is that water is going to dis dissolve our shell. And then all of a sudden, we're just exposed flesh. And so if anybody's ever been with a cancer that's been highly sensitive, like you just look at them and they start crying, this is because they're too much in the emotions. They spend too much time in the emotional realm and they never come onto the earth to ground and organize and actually process those emotions, right? To take them through the idea of like, well, was this a valid emotion? You know, like, do I have the right relationship to this emotion? You know, am I too sensitive about this? That's what the earth allows for us. And it's really going to allow us to kind of grain that emotional security. But the counter of that with the crab is if the crab doesn't go into the water and experience the emotions, what happens is that shell, they stay on earth and that shell calcifies because it sits under the sun and it almost fossilizes. And so it gets, the shell gets hard and it gets impenetrable. Like nobody can break through to that shell. So they can almost become numb to feelings. And not only that, not only can other people not break through and they get this really hard exterior, but they also can't penetrate themselves and experience their emotions. And so cancers can be overly empathetic, but they can also be some of the coldest, most detached signs from their emotions. And a lot of this has to do with early emotional experiences of a cancer. So sometimes when we're doing like natal charts and people are hearing that they're like, I, I'm cancer, but like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm connected to my emotions. I don't have a lot of emotional feelings. And then we kind of start uncovering like early experiences that they had. And what happened is the cancer wears its heart outside of itself. You know, right. you can see this in the Last Supper. It's the fourth, it's the first of uh, the fourth disciple. He's actually holding a bag in his hand. And it represents how cancer like holds their heart outside of them. And so cancer is that child on the playground that walks up and is just like, hey, I love you. Do you want to be my friend? But then unfortunately, it's like a Leo and they're like, give me that bag. And they just like toss it. And the cancer's like, oh how did you do that? You know? And so they almost like shut themselves down from those emotional experiences. And so it's so important to kind of think when we're, we're dealing with these animals through the Zodiac 
think about the qualities of this animal because it tells you very much how to create balance with that. And so the cancer doesn't just want to live in the water and the emotions because it will become too sensitive, but it also doesn't just want to, you know, anchor itself into the earth because it will become hard and cold. Um, and so again, we got these like unique kind of qualities that kind of come from it. And again, you know, how do we gain emotional security, but still feel our emotions? Because you know, we've spoken about this. The emotions, not sitting with your emotions, they don't go anywhere. Not sitting with emotional pain, it doesn't go. All you can do is numb it. But just like the high priestess card, who was represented by the moon, your emotional experiences and your heart, like your emotional experiences that you actually need to sit with will sit and wait for you. And there's no way around it. You can you can hide it in as many closets as it is, but it's never going to go anywhere. It's always going to be waiting for us to sit with that. And that importance to, you know, have that security, to be able to sit with maybe emotional experiences that, one, we need to kind of change our relationship to, or two, just truly sit with and process those emotions and let that, that cycle of life, which is the cycle of the moon, work its process. Well, it makes sense. It makes sense. I have definitely had an experience or two with individuals um, who've, you know, sort of expressed these these qualities that you're talking about and which way they go or, or, or non-emotional to certain things that most people would feel emotional about, but selective on how they use their emotions. It's like, well, music and art are where I'll be vulnerable the most and have that sort of that connection back into the water, back into a connection of that female essence of the moon and the energy that's influenced by it. But then on land, they're just a lot more harder and don't let anybody else in. So you're, you're kind of at a conflict where you're like, wow, you have the ability to feel so much, but you're selective as to what you let in and what you don't let in. And that to me was always fascinating about the sign of cancer, at least from my experience with individuals that I've known. I've had two very close friends of mine who actually uh, were both cancers and they kind of just did this and they were, and they weren't friends um, in, in our, in our little group here, they weren't friends with each other. It was sort of interesting. Uh, I just had an experience with each of them, but uh, everything you're saying sort of resonates within that. And and it's, it's funny cause you talk about it. I know we're talking about the crab and when I was reading back on what some of the things Alice Bailey was presenting, um, I like how she says that the, the sign, the sign is sometimes called the coffin by the Hebrews because it marks the loss of identity. Um, and the early Christians called it the grave of Lazarus, you know, who has raised from the dead. And so I remember when I was reading through this, I was like, Oh, it's an interesting, you know, tie in here as far as, you know, the identity of, of what a cancer represents, uh, within these like old biblical, um, passages and how much Christ is brought up in all of this. But that's basically what you're saying, right? I mean, you're basically saying the rebirth going right in, going internally and then having to come out um, once the emotional period has passed. I'm not really sure if that's like what we're sort of getting to with within being inside the womb. Yeah. And you know, in because cancer is very much going to represent the womb of the seeds that we also replant ourselves in. And so there very much is this, this replanting energy that mm -hmm. can kind of come from this. And the idea that life comes from, you know, the death of our older selves and this right, aspect, right. Okay. you know, Okay. You know, and also, you know, we have to understand, like, you know, a good thing to kind of think about too with these ancient mystery schools is there was a debate, um, you know, in this life, in the physical life, you know, 
is the birth into the physical life kind of the death of our life in the spiritual realm? And so we always see life as life as we understand it. But the ancients actually were like, well, like, why were you crying on the way in here? And why do you go kind of more quietly into your death? Like, is our death a rebirth and actually what the true life is? Is this just kind of a fragment of it, of this experience, mm. you know? And so did we sacrifice, you know, through that aspect of like going from that oneness into form? Well, we're in a kind of like, a, you know, everything is alive in this reality, but everything needs sacrifice to this reality. So the idea that, you know, to be born in the physical, you almost right. have to take almost like a spiritual death to kind of come here. Um, and so that's why it was kind of looked as a coffin. They didn't really, they didn't look at it um, maybe as like positively as we like kind of try to paint life um, in current day esoteric studies. Um, but they really kind of did feel that way, you know? And they, you know, especially when you get into like, you know, like deep Gnosticism, they, and this is why, you know, the, the moon and Capricorn will kind of come up again with Saturn. They they don't really view this life as this perfect place. You know, they, they view this as like the creation of the Demiurge. And they really feel like you need to try to get out of here, you know, and really kind of make that body of light so you can kind of go past the archons. They they kind of felt like we were, were kind of like getting our energy sucked here. And it's just actually like, you know, some deep manipulation that's happening. And so that's kind of a tie-in, some really deep stuff. Like I said, we're going to really cover that with um, Gnosticism. And I know most people are like, what the heck is he talking about? But the few Gnostics out there are like, oh, it's about to get deep. Um, and we will get deep into that because it's it's a very important thing to look at, um, you know, and understanding why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing. Um, is going to be is going to be really important there, and so yeah, you know, thinking about the womb as the place that you know, because again, where do we plant the seeds? Well, we plant the seeds in the soil, which is you know nourished by the dead plants right. and nourished by the dead of life, and so we really kind of see this cycle of life and understanding how that that process is is operating, you know, within ourselves, and you know, again, too, the the idea of the coffin is because emotions can be the death of ourselves if we don't gain the proper relationship to it. You know, if we're completely swayed by the tides of life and we're always just, you know, getting pushed by the emotional waters, well, we will be in this aspect of, you know, damaging ourselves and, you know, destroying our connection to that higher source because we can't, we can't gain an understanding of that emotional tide within us. And so the emotions are, again, a tool, just like everything else. You know, it's how you how you operate that tool depends if it's going to be for your liberation or your damnation. And we've seen people get controlled by their emotions. We've seen, I mean, we can watch how people get swayed by their emotions even now uh, with the drop of a hat, you know? And this is, again, why it's so important to understand that, you know, spiritual sovereignty, a lot of spiritual sovereignty is gaining, uh, you know, emotional security. Mm. So you understand that your emotions are the the electric motion to power your actions. It's the E motion. It's the motion of the electrical current and energy that's within you. And you're really supposed to use your emotions to help power the actions that you want to take for the, you know, completement of, or the, the journey of the self, you know, and really utilizing it as a power source rather than a um, something that's going to kind of, depress us or actually, you know, pull us further away from that source energy that that cancer so desires to get back to. 
Yeah, I mean, it is funny how like all, all, the way these all these signs, whether it's you're talking about it as a sun sign or all of them together, um, you know, have their strengths and their weaknesses, obviously. But what it takes to manifest the best out of the sign that you are born with or born into is such a uh, arduous task, it seems like, for some. And I like it, what you're saying because it's true that you know, with a cancer sign, you have that emotional and that sympathetic and also persuasive energy, but it can be very, um, it can happen very quickly to where it's like inverted to where it is pessimistic and, you know, manipulative, or there's an insecurity about who is invading this emotional, um, vulnerability that they have underneath that hard shell. Um, so yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and no, and astrology is just like that. Astrology is like everything else in life, it's a tool. And as much of it as it can be a map of our liberation, it can also be the chain of our enslavement. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is the improper relationship to astrology when we don't understand that we're supposed to really understand, distill, and then instill all twelve qualities within ourselves. But again, we're we're not we don't want to wear our zodiac map as a badge right you know we're looking to you know harmonize it so much just like a wine glass that we we you know all those musical notes are coming in that we we get the perfect tone and the perfect pitch to shatter that wheel because we don't want to be back on that wheel Hmm. you know and so it's it very much can be your prison if you don't understand that we need to incorporate all of these energies in. And this is why it's so important to look at not only where your strong elements are in the chart, but also, you know, where the elements that don't get as much expression. So you can take that free will energy to make sure you can harmonize all this, because that's truly what we're doing. We don't want to be caught on this wheel. We don't want to keep coming back here. It's about liberating ourselves from that wheel. And that's when we really, when we harmonize this to the perfect tone and pitch to shatter this wheel, that's what Christ consciousness is. And that's when we really kind of realize this idea that, you know, and this is something we spoke about on the patron, you know, it's it's through that, it's through the the harmonization and the perfect pitch and tone that we get when we harmonize all of these musical elements of the universe into their proper highest expression that we realize that, you know, this this experience actually isn't the collecting of the pieces to make ourselves whole. It's the realization that we already were whole. You know, we are from the infinite. So it's not like we add pieces to the infinite or we take away. All this really is, what self-realization is, is just the self-realization that I am from the infinite, so I already am infinite. But we can only actually make that sober statement when we've purely harmonized all of these elements in a, you know, nurturing, progressive, growing way. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's funny because we can have these conversations. One thing that I've I've noticed um, just between you and I and, and everyone else who likes to listen is that we have had something occur that I think is an obvious thing, but maybe not to so many, which is you have these, you know, amazing individuals that we talk about when we say we stand on the shoulders of these giants who had an understanding of what it took and the discipline, I should say, that it would take to actually unfold what we are trying to convey 
during this journey on life. And you have individuals who also took it to a scientific level, if you will, that they try to break down like the psychoanalysts that came before us in, in this past century and then moving into the new century. But I feel like, okay, that's great that we've scratched the surface on these topics. The more important thing is whatever we've unfolded, whatever we've discovered, whatever we have um, this sort of like passion for is always to aid us in becoming not only a better version of ourselves, but understanding the world around us. And I feel like people took that very serious, seriously with, you know, the 20th century psychoanalysts who, who would say, you know, this is what's happening. Like Freud would talk about the iceberg and we've talked about the iceberg and the analogy to an iceberg. And I, I know how groundbreaking it was for people to have that, especially if they were children of, you know, uh, immigrants who were here during the industrial revolution and emotional, um, cues weren't really something that they knew about or how to handle. Um, and then later on, those people kind of decided to devote themselves to having an open mind to this. I feel like we're kind of moving into that with astrology is that there's this marriage now between the understanding of what is happening emotionally to us and um, psychologically, of course, along with the traumas and the unfoldment of our life path uh, with our parents or loved ones, along with now this new understanding of something that's so ancient that is sort of just, again, helping us out. And I think that many people, you know, it is to believe or not believe in any of this. It's to just have the actual open mind and idea of being curious enough to know how am I operating on this plane and what am I doing to either harm myself or actually like evolve into something that creates more ease and not disease, you know? And so, um, and not, you know, harmful, um, uh, habits, you know, in our lives. And so this is what I, I really like about these conversations is that we're using this labor, we're using Hercules to represent this journey, but we're also having to pick out so many micro aspects to this astrological component that again, make up a bigger piece of the puzzle, you know? Absolutely, man. Yeah, <laughs> no. And it's, and, and you can, and by the way, man, you never have to say that you agree with me. I always want you to tell me like, I have no idea what you're talking about right now, but that's just kind of what I'm picking up about what you're saying right now. Because again, there's so much information, but it's also so easy to sort of like condense it. You know, you can go to any website and just be like, Oh, this is what a cancer represents. Mm -hmm. And this is what a Gemini represents. And I got it all figured out. But then mm -hmm. as we start to unfold this in front of so many people who listen, it's like amazing to see like these tiny, tiny components just add up to so much, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. And no, I think you're, I think you're right on there. And what we just don't want to do is we don't want to use our astrological natal chart for like excusing our behavior of like, oh, you know, perfect. You know, like I don't work out because I'm a Taurus. So I just, you know, because I, I do this, like, I'm like, I should really get up and run. But then I'm like, oh, but like my bed is so comfortable. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, but I'm like, you know, I'm comfortable. I'm hanging out with my cat. And you can almost like justify things from your astrological signs that you have. And so it can be very dangerous because you can almost make like excuses for yourself. It's, totally. it's the same, it's the same kind of dangerous excuse when people say like, oh, you know, that's for my next life. That's like, that's a karmic thing that I'm, I'll, I'll take care of that like next time. And you're like, nah, you can't really do that, you know, because we're, we're, it's, again, we, it's us realizing that we are the infinite and we are whole. And that's, and that's something that I'm really changing my 
my language on. And I spoke about this on a patron video this week of, you know, I used to use the term of like, we collect the pieces to make ourselves whole. Well, that's mm-hmm. actually not true. And one of the great things about this process of self-unfoldment is the moments when you realize that, hey, I wasn't, I wasn't completely aligned with objective truth there. Right. Because if I'm from the infinite, how do I add or take away from the infinite? It's just when I actually realize that. And so when we really kind of connect to that, we we learn the astrology personally through our natal charts. But that's just so we get a personal understanding of how we kind of play and how we need to also, you know, overcome our own natal charts to really make that, you know, to honor that completion, which is the self. Um, and so it's it's, again, it's kind of like a, it's like a micro experience of the macro. And we, you know, that idea of, you know, we're not just a drop of the ocean, we're the entire ocean in a drop right. of consciousness and kind of connecting to that. And so, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's, it's a very powerful thing to kind of see and to understand um, and really utilize this again as a, as a roadmap of liberation rather than just a celebration of who we think we are, but not so much of who we can be. I like the the roadmap of liberation and and not just a celebration. I think mm-hmm. that's that's very important to to take away from from this these understandings, you know. And and same thing because it's it's different than what we talk about in the series of the tarot. You know, we're, we're breaking down the deeper meanings and symbols that are behind the card that sort of you know are laid upon us for us to unfold during our period in time of life and and you know successes and you know tribulations and all this other stuff but here it's interesting how that first breath we take we've talked about that you know has a direct uh connection to the, all the the different components of of what was happening as as an energy um that was imminent or i'm sorry that was um that was place there for our, when we first had our first breath, I should say. So when we had our first breath, it's interesting that, you know, we have this influence that's cosmic, that's bigger, that's part of the infinite. And we kind of just don't really ever go exploring that right now. We, we, or for the most part, a lot of people just don't go further than that. And I think that's kind of what you're alluding to, but, uh, I digress again. Um, go ahead, man. Yeah. And you know what, this actually brings us to a great thing about cancer. And, you know, one thing about cancer, when we're kind of thinking about the crab, is this ability to let go of our emotional attachments to things. And how important this is through the spiritual discovery, because we actually get emotionally attached to what we believe. Mm. And there comes a time as you're going through your growth that you're really faced with this idea of like, well, is that belief truly tied to the objective truth? Right. You know, is is this new realization that I had either intuitively or through my studying that's kind of, you know, illuminating something of more, you know, finer tuning to that objective truth? Well, what do I do here? And the cancer really teaches us to, you know, learn to live without attachment because the crab has a problem with kind of taking its claws and grabbing things and holding it close to itself, right? And so when you were kind of talking about that individual with cancer, how so many things they were liberated and free from, but then certain things really emotionally like stirred them up and it really kind of got their emotional waters moving. Well, this is because the crab has this ability to kind of use those claws sometimes and pull in what it loves and what it believes and it holds it very close to its heart. And so 
although we do want to hold the universe close to our heart, the only thing we want to hold close to our heart is unconditional love. And so living without attachment, and this is something that the cancer really struggles with. They can be very, they can be very needy. They can, you know, they they can get very like, again, attached to people. Um, and they, and they almost like stay on the leg of the person and they almost like hold back people that they love because they love them so much that they hold them back. But it's the same thing of like smothering a puppy. You know, you want to hold it so close because you're like, why are you so adorable? But you can actually smother it. It's just like in the, um, you know, it's like um, Lenny in, um, why can I not think of that Steinbeck book right now? Um, Oh my gosh, Steinbeck book. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, But either way, Lenny, um, everybody knows what I'm talking about. They're like, Daniel, you dumb dumb. How do you not know this? Um, but he actually like he wants to hold the puppy so much that he actually smothers it to death. And it's it, that was a representation of cancer because some, oh, you mean of mice and men of mice and men. Gosh, what am I? I'm such an amateur man. No, no. Um, and so you know that's a great lesson for us to learn. You know, you if you truly love something, you have to let it go. Right. And you know, and if it loves you, it will come back. And you will allow it to authentically grow so it can actually love itself. You know, so we see this with the the child that doesn't want to leave the leg or the breast of the mother, but we can also see this as the mother or the parent that doesn't want to let the child go and it holds on to it. You know, it actually holds it back from authentically unfolding its life and its purpose that it's supposed to be, mm. and it limits it. And so this this love, because it's our first dance with love, it's it's so enriching and it's so you know, um, intoxicating that sometimes by loving we smother and we have to kind of learn that relationship. And we actually have to learn that process of detaching ourselves from not only allowing ourselves to detach from what we love, but also allowing detachment from the things we, you know, that love us and actually understanding that, Hey, I can't rely on my mother or my partner for my emotional security. That has to come from me. And when I, when I can create that emotional security myself, then I can be an emotionally secure partner, son, father, whatever it is. But you can't do both. You can't hold it back and let it grow. And that's one of the things that the crab has to learn because it's using its claws and it sees something it loves and it just like holds on to it. And it doesn't understand that it's not actually nurturing it at this point. Right. It's actually inhibiting it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's obviously what you just said, but yeah, in, in, in this, these experiences that I've had with individuals like this, their frustration and their uh, lack of patience um, is sort of, they're sort of blinded by the fact that by pulling you so close into their heart, they think, no, I'm doing everything I can to keep you close. So I'm showing you love. Mm. And those who are don't agree, say, no, but that's not how I experience love or experience a connection with you. You're actually doing the complete opposite right now. You're making me want to detach from you even mm. more. And that becomes a frustration and or a burden to the, the cancer individual who's like, wait a minute, like I thought this is how you expressed it and it's full. Like, I don't have that many people I'm pulling in this close into my heart and you're one of them. So how dare you, you know, think that what, but, but by what I'm doing, um, it's, it's, it's creating harm onto you. That's not what I'm trying to do. And there's like this conflict that you see with these individuals, um, at times, but again, this is just uh, an anecdote from my experience. I lived with an individual for like six years who was a cancer and a really loyal friend, but he, he had these, these issues that I used to, you know, and again, aside from his, from his sun sign, 
Um, it was just something that I noticed. I'm like, oh, loyal friend, good person, but only saw things the way he decided to see things for what they were and not really kind of give room to others and express, let them express like, no, this is how I, you know, um, this is how I express love. This is how I um, find attachment to be too much. Mm-hmm. And so they would just immediately cancel you out. They're like, you're just, so you're no longer my friend. It's like you're, mm-hmm. you've severed my, my loyalty to you. So therefore there's nothing to talk about. It's like, whoa, I didn't say I never wanted to be friends again. I'm just saying like, I just need some space. That's all. And that just even using words like that were too much for that individual. It's like mm-hmm. to say space, which would be the same as to say like, you know, I could live without you just fine. I don't even know why we're friends. It's like, I never said that, but that's how it was interpreted by, by this individual. I remember. And I was always so confused. I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't understand where this went. But a lot of these things, again, you don't have to like pinpoint it just to their sun sign. It was just an interesting conversation that you and I had years ago where I'm like, you know, this person that I'm living with right now shows all these traits. And, and you were like, well, you know, they are a cancer. And I wasn't like, Oh, that makes sense. I was just like, Oh, I kind of like looked into it a little bit and I was like, Oh, there's a lot of these traits in this individual mm-hmm. for sure. But now that we, but that's like an exoteric summary that was presented to me about that person, but talking about it in a deeper fashion, like we do right now or how we're doing it right now, a lot of this just makes sense as far as like what was being fostered out of that person from their emotional connection to the world. And, um, Yeah. Let me love you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. And we all have to dance with this. We all we all totally. need to learn that idea of love. And, you know, we get that attachment. You think about, like, maybe even your first, you know, romantic um, relationship that you went through. And you kind of, like, can reflect back on it and be like, wow, I, I kind of smothered that relationship, you know? Right, and, right. like, kind of reflecting on that and, and seeing how important that is to, you know, not put your emotional security into anything else. And again, you know, we talk about objective truth. We talk about unconditional love. And then that other big universal pillar is, you know, freedom, spiritual freedom. And spiritual freedom very much is, you know, not having, putting your emotional security attached to other individuals or other things. You know, establishing that, that 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 foundation within yourself because you know only when we are emotionally strong can we actually love and that's that huge thing that that the cancer is is really looking at and the thing is is cancer is like you do want to love and it, it 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 is a tough process to kind of go through and it can be a little confusing and the thing is it's not a logical analytical process that can be solved by an equation hmm. and that's also what comes up with cancer Cancer is not going to walk, cancer's lessons are not going to be in a straight line and organized like Virgo. It's not going to go A to B. Because think about how a crab walks. It doesn't walk in a straight line. It walks in a curve. It walks in this kind of curved approach. And so wherever we have cancer in life, we're going to kind of walk in a different path. And understanding our emotions can't be an analytical linear thing. Right. It's, it's not that process. It's more of that holistic, intuitive, you know, curved aspect and it's it represents the feminine and the feminine represents 
the more of the curved form. Even look at like a feminine individual. They have more curves where the masculine is more like straight lines, right? And it's, it's telling you that this is not a direct A to B thing. This is not going to be solved by the intellect. The only way you're really going to gain this emotional security is through that intuition and understand what's really trying to get your attention here and what's really trying to speak to you, which is the 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 highest guiding aspect of ourselves. And so, yeah, we could be like, oh, I feel like I'm, you know, so controlled by your my emotions. But if we can take that energy and really understand it, that's that's also such a powerful intuitive energy, you know? And so even those individuals that are like cancer rising or cancer sons, they have to understand too in their life that if they can connect to their heart and truly follow their heart, they might not go in a straight path in their life. They might not go A to B as Virgo will. And people will kind of talk to them and be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this thing that you're doing? Like, why don't you just go from here to here? I don't understand why this is your goal. Why don't you just go in the straight line? But cancers can't walk in a straight line. They have to truly kind of walk in this curved approach and they'll get to that point B. They'll get to what they're trying to get to, but it can't be this straight line. And so cancers really have to understand that you know, if we're connected to our heart and we're following our heart, we will get to that destination, but it might not be in such a linear lateral way that maybe more of those like earth Virgo signs operate in. Mm. And so this is a really interesting thing for cancers to understand if they have a strong cancer placement or say they're cancers in the 10th house of career. Well, maybe their career is not as like logical and analytical as every other aspect in their life. And it's not this like progression from going one place to this next place. And it's kind of more of this curved approach. Well, understand as long as I'm following my heart and my career, I'm going to get to where I need to go. And the nice thing about that is, is the cart actually takes us to where we need to go rather than where we want to go. Where sometimes when we analyze it and organize it, we don't, we don't allow that unfoldment to happen. And so again, you know, cancer really teaches us to truly connect to the heart and then follow that heart and really be guided by it and understand that, you know, people sometimes from advice that comes from afar from others when they're like, hey, let me tell you about you. You know, they, they can like Virgos or Capricorns can get like very like confused on the path of a cancer. But that that doesn't mean that we have to, you know, fold to what their plan is for our destiny. But we need to understand that, hey, they love me. They're just trying to guide me, but I know that I'm just following my heart on it. And although I might not show them exactly the map that I'm doing to get there, as long as I'm following my heart, I'm going to get there. Um, and, and it's this important process to kind of remember. So anybody who has a strong cancer placement or, you know, the area that cancer has um, in that, that area of life, just be aware that it might not be a linear kind of Virgo equation of A to B. It's going to be more of like a curved arching approach, just like a crap. Yeah. No, well said, man. Got a quick question on this complete side note here. If you're looking at it from a perspective of the moon influencing your emotions, so how does that work within someone's uh, birth chart? So it's like, are they looking for the moon and the moon placement of, of their first, of the first breath they took? Or are they looking at their cancer sign? Or both. It's going to be both. Cool. So absolutely. So wherever the moon is, that's going to be connected to the sign of cancer. So then you find where cancer is, but then you also need to look at the fourth house because mm. the fourth house is the house that cancer rules. And so there's always multiple levels that you're looking at. And so that's, again, why the sun sign 
can be so difficult when people just know their sun sign because it's like, well, you really have to find the area that the sun sign is. What house is the sun sign in? What planets are next to it? You know, and and this is kind of like this unique kind of thing. And, you know, even when we're talking about this aspect of like, kind of like walking in a curved approach or even walking in kind of circles. Well, like cancer suns, sometimes if their mercury is in cancer, sometimes it's hard for them to get to the point as well. They almost like talk in circles about things. Now, they also have an ability to emotionally speak in a very deep level and they can like emotionally, you know, share really deep, like, you know, things of the heart and they could be good like songwriters and poetry because they speak from the heart. But sometimes it's hard for them to be even direct with their words, you know? And actually, this is actually kind of fascinating because a lot of, a lot of Geminis actually mistake their communication for Gemini. But what happens is the sun sign and Mercury travel very close together. And so the sun sign, sometimes your sun sign and your Mercury are in the same house. And so like myself, I'm a, I'm a sun in Taurus, but my Mercury is actually in Gemini. And so it's actually like one degree into Gemini. So I don't really communicate like a Taurus does. Where if if my sign was both in Taurus, I'm going to communicate like a Taurus. And so there's like sometimes that like Geminis talk about like, oh, you know, like, because they still have this like rapid energy of Gemini, but Gemini is a little bit more linear and analytical and it's still very fast and responsive. But a lot of times Gemini suns can actually have their Mercury and Cancer. And they and they find themselves like speaking, but they they kind of have to like draw a circle around something and they kind of like swirl around it and then they hit their point. If that Is that makes what's sense. going on with me? That's ex- that does that you are a cancer um Mercury. Mercury. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this that's is exactly how I feel. It's like I have a passionate point that I'll make and I'll get to it. And there's so many people who are like, oh my gosh, man, like I love you, but you gotta No, but you also speak with so much passion and you speak with so much heart. And like it's so easy to talk to you about emotions. Where the Gemini with the if the, the Gemini Mercury was there, it's gonna be a little bit more analytical and linear. And so there's something really beautiful about the Gemini Suns with their with their Mercury and Cancer. I mean, there's something very beautiful about Gemini Suns with their Mercury and Gemini, right? But like they they speak from the heart and they very much like listen to people's heart as they're speaking. And that and that's what they're really listening for. Where the Gemini is like literally listening for like information. The the cancer there with the Mercury and Cancer is listening for the heart. And that's what they're connecting to. And they and they know that the heart is not a linear thing. They know that it's 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 the subconscious, you know, it's that right side of the brain. It's the infinite. And so, you know, that's they have this unique ability to be able to communicate from this deep aspect of their heart. Um, and they but they still have that quickness of the Gemini to be able to do that. So they can speak from their heart quickly. Um, and so it's something that's so beautiful about it. Um, and so like again, kind of understanding how all of these kind of operate and what this is kind of working with um, is is a unique process to kind of think about. And so this this cancer energy um, is so deeply connected to the heart and it's it just feels so much and it's able to, you know, not only does it feel itself, but cancers can also feel others. You know, because again, they're intuitively connected to that water aspect and cancer can feel the room when they walk into it. You know, have you ever seen somebody who can't read a room? Like they walk in and somebody was just crying and they're just like coming in, just talking really loud. Yeah. And you're like, 
hey, dude, like, what do you, don't you feel this? And the, but they yeah. don't even notice it. Yeah. That's really confusing to a cancer. The first time they see somebody who can't like read a room, they're like super confused of like, how did you not know that it was like super heavy in here? And like, you know, this was like, we broke away from the party because we were having this like deep conversation where this person like kicks down the door. He's like, you guys want to do a beer pong, you know, and stuff like that. And you're like, dude, did you not see that this is like, they're, they're going through something here? And so it's an interesting kind of thing. It's all about, I feel, and they do, they have this like intuitive energy of not only feeling themselves, but feeling others. And the unique thing about cancer too, which is really nice of not only having like your sun, your moon, or your rising in cancer, or like yourself with mercury, people open up emotionally to cancers because it's the moon and they see their reflection in you and they feel very comfortable and seen and they see themselves as they're speaking to you. And so sometimes when you have a strong cancer placement, you could meet somebody and then like, it's all like surface, surface, surface. And then all of a sudden they might share something to you that they'll even admit like, hey, I've never told anybody this. And you're like, interesting. Like that's, that's interesting yeah. that it just came up. Does that make sense? Oh, that relationship I had with that individual, that's what it was. I right. Mean, literally every day we hung out. And if he ever does listen, um, you know, he, he will know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, we've parted ways since and it's it's a whole other story. But but when we lived together, our main the the way we operated as a relationship of two friends was solely on what you just said. It's like I was able to open up about anything and he received it just fine. Mm -hmm. And but but it wasn't so much that it was a good lending ear or or a a trusting lending ear. It was felt. It was like, mm -hmm. oh, I can tell you exactly what's going on with my conflict in my life. And and he would never be like, hey, I don't have time for this. Or like, mm -hmm. this is very heavy what you're telling me. So I can't like take this on. He could take it on no problem and just like give you a, a confident nod. And, and, and you could say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, maybe I was going off too much. And he was always like, no, like you mm -hmm. can keep going. So there was an ability there um, that fostered uh, that sort of, uh, you know, emotional um, unloading that I would have mm -hmm. with that with that individual. And so, um, but the, by the same token though, if you didn't respect their feels, I like that you're talking about the, um, the individual who, who doesn't know how to pick up a room. I've went through, I can't tell you how many awkward experiences with that same individual where that exact scenario would happen. And he would be so mad. He's like, I don't want to, I don't want to ever hang out with this person ever mm -hmm. again. And I'm like, no, no, he's a really cool person. Mm -hmm. Um, forgive him for not being able to read the room or not have an emotional tie that you have to something mm -hmm. that you believe is so important. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, listen to this new song. It just came out. Everyone be quiet, pay attention. And that one person be like, I'm Mikey. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I'm saying this other thing, you know? Yeah. And then before you know it, he would literally turn and be like, you know, I can't be friends with that person. Yeah. They don't understand the importance of like what was just felt in this one song or the lyrics. I'm like, dude, you got to like pull out of that. Like mm -hmm. not everyone's seeing what you're seeing or feeling what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that they don't feel, they just feel about life differently than you do. So anyways, tangent on the side, um, for all of you out there who love our tangents, that's for you. Right. No, absolutely. No, that's beautiful, man. And I think you doing a great job of like kind of talking about that. And, you know, um, again, this, this, this process of the dark side of the moon that comes with cancer, you know, the idea of attachment, being too dependent on other people, you know, being overly clingy, 
you know, these these are things that the, the cancer really has to go through with as we as we have that first dance with love and as we have that first dance with our emotions, you know, and that's that's huge with the idea of again, you know, understanding that we need to release ourselves from our mother or release ourselves from our father's leg and go on our own personal journey, um, which is which is so important. And you know, we we really kind of think about this um this aspect of, you know, this having a true expression of this divine mother energy that wants to protect life and making sure that it's it's being expressed in the healthiest, nurturing way possible. Um, and just like any universal energy, um, we're going to have to dance with it. And it's not going to be a straight line. We're going to go through these experiences and we're going to go through all of the feels, you know, and we're going to kind of get close to that, that intuition, but how important that is for us to, you know, kind of reflect on that and kind of connect to that is, is so important, you know? And so, you know, we talked about cancer, this crab not being able to walk in a straight line, you know, the, the need for it to go between the water and the earth to make sure that it grounds those emotional experiences. Um, and so, you know, I think as we we're looking at the sign, I think it's really important for us to maybe maybe discuss what that fourth house means and what that fourth house that fourth house kind of represents in right. the zodiac chart. And again, remember you all have a fourth house. Um, it depends on what sign rules your fourth house, and so that will kind of change the lens that we see looking into that house. And so um, we'll kind of talk about what that kind of is, but the fourth house. Is, is a very important thing for us to look at because it really kind of talks about our, you know, our first relationship with nurturing. And, you know, it really represents the early home. And, you know, this aspect of the home is going to get very important in this conversation and truly realizing what our true home is. And you, you did a great job of titling the last episode with the home within, because that's truly what we're going to kind of get connected here is to that home within. But what this fourth house is going to represent, if you're looking at your astrological chart, is it very much represents the, the parental influence or the energy within the home and how that and how that was perceived by the individual. And so this is really important because this fourth house is going to really talk about it's almost like also our first dance with cycles and patterns, but it's cycles and patterns that we don't really have a free will decision to, to establish ourselves. Mm. These were more kind of imposed on us by our family and our community. Um, the cycles, our first dance with cycles and patterns. And this is, this is really important to look at the fourth house to see the cycles and the patterns that, you know, fostered your, your growth and nurtured your, you know, your authentic self, but also the cycles and patterns that were imposed on you that might have been damaging to your authentic self, you know, that might have helped create some of these, these shadow aspects of yourself that we need to kind of investigate and like, look into. And like within your ancestry? Well, with your ancestry for sure, but where we would kind of start with that is just the home that you grew up in. Oh, I And, see. you know, okay. and coming to terms and like, you know, looking at those cycles and patterns that were presented for you and that you had to live by for your first 18 years. Mm. Um, and, you know, and this, this, what we kind of have to do through spiritual work a lot of times is we have to go back to the past. And obviously we can't change the past, but we can change our relationship to that past. And so if there, you know, we can honor those, those 
nurturing cycles and patterns that were given to us, but we can also, you know, utilize that aspect of like, if there was a negative cycle and pattern that was imposed on us, knowing that it's part of our spiritual path to make sure that that pattern doesn't continue with us. And that's why this fourth house also represents our own relationship with nurturing. Do we do we keep those cycles and patterns that were, that were given to us? Or is our role really kind of changing some of those cycles and patterns and making sure that that doesn't continue on, um, you know, within that, within that energy? And so, you know, what's really important here to know, too, is the sign that rules your fourth house and the planets in there are not only going to tell you about the energy of the home, but also what you noticed about the home. And so if we have like Saturn there, we might have had a loving family that was actually very supportive, but maybe 15% of the time they were really strict. Well, sometimes with Saturn there, we only focus on that 15% that, that they were strict. And we actually don't gain an awareness or have a proper awareness to be like, hey, 85% of the time they were actually really loving and nurturing. And so we almost get bitter about that. You're saying that just a... a, a Sorry to interrupt. You're saying that 15% of the time in your household, let's just say the parents were strict, Mm -hmm. but the rest, they were loving and supportive. You're saying that the individual who's like wanting to hold on to only the 15% needs to open up and see the other. Okay. okay. Absolutely. I just want to make sure I have that straight. So the fourth house is, you know, when what's so nice about astrology where it kind of moves away from like, um, you know, older psychological thoughts is astrology gives the the growing up of the child and the influence of the parent as a 50-50 importance. It's not just the parent. It's also how the child reflects and what they pull from their perspective of the parent. Mm. And so you could have a very loving parent that sometimes was strict, and that's all the child remembers, and they see their parent as a tyrant, when truly they weren't. Um, You can think about friends early on when they were like, you know, you were at their friend's house and they're like, oh my gosh, my parents are such jerks. And you're like, I don't think so, man. They just made us like hot pockets. They took us to the skate park. Right. You know, they were, they're actually really great, uh, but they just see them as this negative energy, you know? And then you could be in this place that like everybody's screaming in the family, you know, and it's always yelling and you're like, wow, this place is really chaotic. And they don't even notice the chaos. They they're just like, no, like no, we all they're, love we, each other. Yeah. We're all good. They're like, oh, my mom's, I'm like, dude, like I'm not, and again, I'm not judging their mother, but I'm just like, you know, she was just like straight yelling at you and like, you guys are yelling at each other, but it's, it's what we perceive as well. And so that's a really important thing going back, not only changing our relationship, but maybe sure that we had the proper relationship and the proper perspective about that. And I'm not saying that there's not trauma and there's not stuff that happens in the home. I'm not, I'm not discounting what they did. I'm just saying it's more of a 50, 50. And sometimes we do have to go back with the proper lens and to make sure that we have the proper perspective about this, you know, you know, and, and that happens a lot. And that's something we have to kind of do with spirituality. Um, and if it was a negative thing, because, you know, unfortunately I do talk to people who, who talk about the early childhood and it, there was some really toxic situations. Well, this fourth house also tells you about how you nurture and how you can actually transform that energy and what you get from nurturing. Because of and the involvement in family and exactly, the roots yeah. of your family within Ab- your household. Absolutely. And house. sometimes we have to change cycles and patterns. And sometimes we look to keep honoring those beautiful cycles and patterns. Like if our father made us into a, a sovereign, strong individual, you know, and our mother made us into this loving, empathetic 
a, you know, emotionally secure individual. Well, those sound like great patterns that we want to continue harvesting with what we nurture, you know, but if our, if our parents were absent, if our parents maybe had an addiction, you know, or something like that, well, it comes up to us. Do I continue that cycle and pattern? You know, you've heard that with people of like, well, you know, my great grandfather was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. And my dad was an alcoholic. So I guess I'm going to be an alcoholic. And you're like, well, I guess dude, like if that's what you, if that's the cycle and pattern that you want to unfold here, right. but it's also the spot of like, Hey, I can change this and I can change the seeds that I water. You know, if I wasn't nurtured correctly, like if they were nurturing me with diet Pepsi, well, I'm not going to nurture my kin with diet Pepsi. I'm going to do it with water and sunlight and love. You know what I mean? And so this fourth house is very connected to that. But what you were talking about with like your connection to your ancestors, absolutely. This is also the history of your blood. This is, you know, this is the history of all of the experiences of your bloodline up to this point. And a lot of the times you're not just changing a cycle and pattern that, you know, your parents went through. It's it's something that's been continual. And sometimes, you know, you're your ancestors are holding their breath because you can actually release them from this, 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 this chains that they put on themselves by continuing these negative cycles and patterns. And it's by your transformational energy. And that's what a lot of our work is to do, um, is to make sure that we can release them by not continuing that pattern and no longer giving life to the fear, but giving life to the love. Um, and it's, and it's um it's one of the greatest things that we can do um, of you know not just the liberation of ourselves but the liberation of you know the bloodline and then it starts anew and it's it's that womb of the new family identity we don't have to carry on that aspect the sins of the father don't have to go to the son because we are the individuals that can change it with our free will decisions um, and how we kind of uh, react to the environment I love it man. I love it. And I think, and, and there's no better time right now than to actually like go out there and put this to work and actually have that ability to not only take this information, but actually change those patterns, um, that may have affected you in that fourth house. Um, not to say that that wasn't an ability that people had before us, but I feel like we are living in a very interesting time. There is a lot of turmoil here and there, but there's also a lot of opportunity and space in between to actually make that, um, not only that to, to ascend in that way, but also like change those, those old patterns from the fourth house or to actually take a deep look into what they might be and how to, you know, break free from that. You know what I mean? Right. And I feel like this generation kind of is doing that. I mean, I, I talk to people all the time. It's one of my favorite things to do with individuals is just listen to what they have to say. And recently I had to go through a painful experience of getting a new cell phone. I can't tell you how much I despise getting, <laughs> going through that. But the individual and I had this conversation, the guy was sitting there with me, he was kind of making jokes as to like putting up with this. And one of the things that he starts to tell me is without me having to say anything to him, He's talking about his children and immediately takes a hard right turn and talks about how he wants to change, in essence, the patterns that he grew up with, with his family and how all he does in his life right now is try to foster two good children, which is just two sons, by, you know, going in as far as he can go into their um immediate lives, not what's coming next in the next few years. Because these are little kids he was describing just so he can give them the confidence, the love, and the understanding of what it takes to be a not only good person in, in um, 
in their journey, but also how he's there for them no matter what. And he goes, my father wasn't there for me and my grandfather wasn't there for my father. So everything you're saying, um, this guy was really just focusing in on. It wasn't about his job. It wasn't about making enough money, but mostly just trying to make a new generation um, of individuals who feel that they're uh, being backed by this love and this understanding. And I was like, oh, this is great. You know, and we, again, I didn't tell him anything of what I do in my life. I just thought it was a great conversation, but I, I've had more of these lately where I feel like this generation that we're in right now, if we haven't had children or we do have children, it's really trying to make the best of that and change that pattern. Kind of what you said about my grandfather was an alcoholic. My father was an alcoholic. So I guess I'll be an alcoholic. There seems to be a shift definitely with a lot of these people in this generation who are like, wait, I think I can change that. I probably should change that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we have an opportunity to do that. You know, there, mm -hmm. there are more opportunities now to make a living that also give you the ability to not have to rely on some sort of, um, you know, vice in order to get through the day just for having to put a meal on someone's table. So that comes with the benefit of bettering yourself internally, even though there are individuals who tell us that this is, the worst of the worst in the times we're living in and that that won't happen i don't believe that so um fascinating stuff man yeah absolutely man and i love that that point you gave up and and you're very right about the the idea of our generation is is about this change that kind of comes through and you know our generation with pluto and scorpio which ended just in the early 90s was about like burning this mother down like it was about burning down old cycles and patterns and then the generation that took over after us was the pluto and sagittarius and they're striving to kind of make this and so we were kind of the destructive energy to be like yeah these cycles and patterns we're we're going to burn this down um but we just kind of had the gas tanks like we're burning it down right and then like we're planting the seeds from burning it down like nurturing the soil and then the sagittarius comes in to show us how high they can actually point the arrows and they'll actually point the arrows to to the stars and to the heavens and because they're the archer and then later on is going to come on right now with like pluto and capricorn and these are the ones that are going to be like the workers of making those new cycles and patterns happening and so again always this unique kind of astrological energy and so you know this fourth house represents the home it represents the early cycles and patterns of the home you know it also represents a part of the dark aspect of our consciousness. You know, the fourth house, the eighth house, and the twelfth house, these are all going to represent dark aspects of the consciousness. And what they represent is the fourth house represents cycles and patterns as an early child. The eighth house is the cycles and patterns as an adult. And the twelfth house is almost like the universal cycles and patterns. And what we're going to be presented here in the fourth house is we have an ability to change through nurturing the cycles and patterns of the future generations. And in the eighth house, we're really going to, it's like when the ball's put into your court and it's just like, well, now it's up to you, you know, what cycles and patterns are you going to put into? Um, and we'll kind of talk about that as we kind of make it to the eighth house, which is going to represent Scorpio, you know, and that unique kind of energy that kind of comes there. But, you know, if you look in an astrological book, it's also going to talk about the fourth house representing like the physical home that you realize that you're in. And this is important, um, but we want to get to a deeper level of that. And, and how we're going to kind of think about that is through this process of self-realization that we were kind of just talking about. And so 
we spoke about today that self-realization is, is the process of realizing that you already are whole, right? And so you don't really collect the pieces to make yourself whole. And that's something that I'm, you know, openly admitting that that was a phrase I used to use that I'm, that really doesn't serve me any longer in my spiritual journey because I really kind of see more of an alignment to objective truth of like, no, it's the self-realization that you are whole, right? You can't take from the infinite. The infinite is already within me. And so the self-realization is the true understanding that you are whole and you are made from the infinite. So the infinite is within you. So, you know, how do you take and add away from the infinite? You don't. You are already whole. And not only are you already whole, but you are already home. The universe is within you. The OG, the original generator, is already within your heart. And realizing that it's not your house. You know, it's not, you know, you could find home anywhere. It could be in your home, which can be lovely. It could be in nature. Like all these places that kind of ground us and give us an ability to really like sort out this experience of life, right? And allow us to kind of pull back and go back within like what the crowd wants to do. Well, we really want to realize that, you know, we are already home. And so your external environment, even if it's not affording you a thing of like a house or you can't get to nature, you know, even in a prison cell, you know, even taken captive by Nazi commies, you are already home with the universe. It's within you. Nobody can take your home away from you because it's within you. You know, everything is all in. And that's what we're really kind of looking at. And if you notice everything we're going through with these astrological is we're taking the external and seeing how it's produced from the internal. And the internal is always where we're going. It's always that all in energy because that's where we're going to find that universal life force. It's not only in nature and, you know, our loving relationships and the connections we make, but it, all of that is generated from in and it makes its way out. If that makes sense. It does, man. Beautifully said, beautifully said, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, cancer, I know that we went a little bit all over the place, but I think what was very important about this time and this time around, as far as talking about this astrological sign, but the importance of its understanding is going deeper and deeper into again, how all these connect and actually taking the components of this giant web and how it all just relates to one another, but how it relates to one another and what needs to be done. Once the understanding of this information comes into your uh, immediate consciousness, you know what I mean? And I think that with Hercules, that's basically what was happening to the individual. You know, he's combining these understandings of the animalistic instinct that he has, but that intuition and what it all represents and what it means for the furthering of his journey and actually being able to, um, again, move on to the next, in his case, the next labor for us, hopefully it's to a better place, right? Um, of, of understanding these these uh, symbols that are left behind for us and the understanding of what and how they affect us emotionally and what it does for us as a human race and the journey that we're all on together. So, um, yeah, man, it's awesome. I love it because, again, every time we do this, it's about a week or two that we don't connect on the same topic and we, we wait for this uh, conversation and I have so many different plans and so many different ideas and I try to make these like very structured uh, questions and they all go out the window because I'm like oh I'm seeing your face I'm seeing what we're talking about and I'm like okay this this makes sense and giving you space to actually uh, touch on these subjects is much better than me having to like you know take each question and go let's answer this and let's answer that so hopefully for you the listener 
this kind of puts you into a state of understanding where we're going with all of this and how we're moving forward onto the next labor and also the next astrological um, sign that's coming next, which is going to be Leo. Leo. So, do you see me? Leo, do you see me? I see Leo. I see you. And we love you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Um, well, quick shout out to, wait, are you, uh, are we good? Home is where the heart is. I love that, dude. Okay. <laughs> shout out to all our Patreon members and to all the fans. Thank you so much for all your reviews, whether they are critical or they're constructive. It's all good for us. Um, you know, if you don't want to listen to what we have to say, Bye-bye. <laughs> if you do uh, want to continue on this journey with us, that's great. And if you want to make uh, a comeback and come back around and be like, you know what, I'll give this a second chance. That's awesome, too. And, and the reason I say that is it's to no one specific. I just say that because I listen to so many different podcasts and there are podcasts I don't listen to anymore. There are, there are different lectures I don't listen to anymore. And there are individuals who I still listen to who influence me because of whatever I'm having to decipher between myself in this life and uh, other readings that are new to me. And so, again, what makes us so strong and so uh, blessed to be on this journey with you is that, you know, you're doing it with us. And, you know, whether you're just curious about the esoteric or you're curious about the better uh, version of yourself that you didn't know was somewhere deep in there, we hope that these conversations kind of give you that ability to know that, hey, we're all on this journey together, trying to better, you know, ourselves, but also figure out what that really means. It's not just about what we do and what we don't do, or we say we're going to do, but also just having that deeper understanding that helps us sort of figure out what we're all about in this in this journey once again. So thanks again to all the patron members, to all the listeners and your reviews. Your reviews are so important. That's what I was really trying to say is that again, whether they're construct or critical or whether they're positive, it's all great because again, it makes us better. It makes us more aware and it makes other people who are curious about these topics want to jump on this journey and maybe, you know, um, give us a listen. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, just to pump it up because it's it's the dawn and the rising of it is coming very soon is the lovely Karina is working on our website and it is almost out there. And so we're really looking at, you know, mid-July as the, the start point. And again, in the last episode, I said, like, I was so excited for us to all get connected. And then I said it was the blog. But um, nope, it's the form that's going to connect us yeah. through, you know? And so we are going to have a blog. I what you meant. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, you know? But nope, Daniel, you silly man. It was the form. And the form is where we're going to be able to have this, like, continued conversation. Um, but we can have conversations about the blog entries that are going to be coming up. And, you know, very excited again about connecting to each and every one of you. And, uh, yeah, just, like, continuing this journey, just like you said, my guy. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And the hype is good. The hype is good because, again, shout out to Karina out there in New Mexico um, for building this this site, you know, to really helping us out. And, and, and the other individuals who've also given us their insights. There's a lot of individuals that we don't mention on here who are sort of giving us some cues and kind of letting us know what they'd like to be able to have. It's like, hey, these, these conversations are big. There's a lot to be said. There's a lot that needs to be broken down. And not everyone has the time of day. But that forum, the new website... Everything that's coming is actually, again, we're, we're putting most of our energy into this right now so that we can have this platform 
to have these breakthroughs, to have these conversations. You can meet other people who are just as excited as we are to, you know, unfold all of these mysteries and their understand their meaning, I should say, and what the understanding of it, once you have an understanding of it, really does for you in your life and the advancement of this human race. So, um, yeah. Um, next week, we'll be going back to the Tarot. Yeah, we'll be doing the Emperor card. Emperor. I'm excited for that because we, we started studying that prior to the, the fourth labor. And I kind of put it to rest for a little bit, but I go back and forth, you know, doing a little more research into it. So it'll be, um, it'll be a real good one. So yeah. um, that's all I have to say. Well, I think you said it perfectly, my man. I think that's perfect. So, well, until next time. Until next time, my friend.